So over the past uh, four Sundays or so, we've been looking at the miracles of Jesus, <clears throat> and we've, we've seen how Jesus has interacted with uh, these people and indicated what these miracles uh, mean. Number one, that Jesus has power and authority over everything and anything that is unclean. He also has dominion, power, and authority over any ailment, physical ailment. He healed someone who was paralyzed. He healed someone who was an invalid. And he also raised uh, a couple, two or three people from the dead. And so we saw that. Um, and this, my, this was going to be my last sermon, but again, it's probably the second to last one. Uh, as I'm going to help lay out a biblical and theological understanding of how God's power through the Holy Spirit is still very active in this world today. In the Evangelical Covenant Church, we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's affirmation five of six, but these are the six things that all covenant churches affirm, that uh, a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. God is the victor. God has won the victory over sin and death through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, and he has accomplished this victory in the end, why would that victory 2,000 years ago be leading towards a downward trend? It would probably be leading more towards an upward trend as the power and bringing about the kingdom of God still happens here on earth through his disciples. The role of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is that of a helper, a guide, um, sort of like a compass. He provides empowerment for evangelism, and he equips the church for vocational service um, and to know God at a deeper level. The very essence of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is to bring about the establishment here of God's kingdom here on earth, but also to continue to be a testimony to the fact that God is victor. Additionally, the Holy Spirit provides insight into a believer's life that they probably wouldn't have awareness of had it not been for the Holy Spirit. Now, regarding this impartation of the Holy Spirit into a believer's life, this, there might be a special gift or ability or power that God gives someone as a Christian to be able to do uh, his work on this earth. Not all believers receive this impartation of the Holy Spirit, but... For some, they do, and they might receive the power to heal. They might have the power to speak in tongues, to prophesy, um, and dare I dare say, to even raise the dead. When Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. For surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He really meant it. Jesus really meant that. He didn't say that some of the power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says all power and authority has been given to me. And since I am sending you out as disciples into this world, I'm only going to give you a little bit of that power. 
I'm only going to give you a little bit of what you need to go and make disciples. No, I believe that God is giving them everything that the disciples need to be able to be equipped to do his service on earth. In fact, earlier in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, as well as 12 through 13, calling the 12 to him, Jesus, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over every impure spirit, not some, but over all. No, it doesn't say that either. But it just says over impure spirits. They went out and preached the people should repent. And they drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. For those who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and believed in the heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit is residing in you. Through a profession of your Christian faith, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of your life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which I touched on, uh, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago. The Holy Spirit was also given to the apostles in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit was promised in the Gospel of John even before that, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, as well as 25 through 27, which I'll read. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father... It will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you, with, with you and will be in you. And now down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. For some of those Christians in our world who have given their lives over to Jesus Christ for the first time, they experience this indwelling of the Holy Spirit in them. And sometimes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in their life where some of them might begin speaking in a different tongue or uh, a tongue that is an actual foreign language that's spoken on earth but they have absolutely no knowledge of. Or sometimes it can just be babbling and not seem like it's making any sensical uh, sentences. And... Some who deny that that gift of tongues uh, does not happen would say, you know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. It's, it's just someone who's trying to grant, uh, grab attention to themselves. But the Apostle Paul and the Acts of the Apostles also recognize that this gift did exist in the New Testament. And Paul affirms this in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through our wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And then within the manner of these gifts that the Apostle Paul acknowledges um, in he also reaffirms this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, where he also talks about the gift of prophecy. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. 
Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Within these passages, the Apostle Paul acknowledges that these gifts are happening. It happened after Pentecost, and it was happening in at least the church in Rome and the church in Corinth because Paul brings it up there. And he acknowledges that these spiritual gifts happen to some people, but not everybody possesses them. When we think of the gift of prophecy, we typically think of someone being able to tell the future. Ah, the prophet. You know, we see the prophecies in the uh, Old and New Testaments, and we say, oh, you know, they're, they're foretelling the future or events that are going to happen, and we think of prophecy today in many of the same manners. But uh, the gift of prophecy is also forthtelling. It's not foretelling. Forthtelling is where perhaps a word or a phrase or a piece of encouragement is given to the person to be able to tell someone else what that message is. There's a, there's a specific time and place for it, and sometimes the message that is given to that person with the gift of prophecy, they don't know what it means. In fact, the person receiving it might not always know what it means, but at the perfect time, the realization happens. And again, these gifts are for the edification and encouragement for the church. And I'm gonna give you two examples of how this plays out Um, with people here in our congregation, okay? So the first one is six years ago, my daughter Haven, and now we were trying to figure out a picture to put up there, but that's how old she was when this happened. She was alone in her room, sitting on her bunk bed, and she heard an an audible voice tell her, you're going to adopt an African American girl. And we had not even started the adoption process yet. We were still living in Minnesota and ended up about two or three months before the finalization for Javea's adoption was taking place and we were getting ready to go out to Utah. Haven came to us and came to my wife Carrie and said, I didn't, this, I knew this was going to happen. Like, this can't be coincidence. I remember I was sitting on my bunk bed, and I remember hearing this voice telling me that this was going to happen, like an audible speaking voice, that we were going to adopt an African-American girl. We're, this is going to happen. And, and she was so excited, but she had no reference point to what was going on, and so she was super excited. I told that story to my, fr- my friend Mark when I was overseas. He would come into our chapel service uh, every day, and, or not chapel service, but into our chapel every day, and he would worship and do devotions and pray in the mornings. And then one of the mornings he came out, um, and I had already shared the story with him. And he said, hey, Jeremy, while I was uh, praying, God gave me a word for Haven. Can I tell it to you? I said, no, I don't want to hear what God has to tell Haven. He said, no, of course, please, you know, tell me. So while I was praying, God laid it on my heart to tell her Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So I go, okay. 
And I'm thinking to myself, come on, Psalm 23, that's low-hanging fruit. Everybody knows that, right? Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know? I was like, okay, well, thanks, you know? And so I was a little skeptical at first. So I went in and I eventually talked to Haven that day or the next day, and I said, Haven, you know, this person was praying and this, this uh, verse was laid on their heart, or the scripture passage. So I want you to start reading it, praying about it, and seeing what God might have in store for you in this passage. Now, unbeknownst to Mark, he didn't know that Haven was going off to Bible camp in a couple of days. So Haven goes to camp, and they're doing their very first event in the evening. The speaker comes up, and the theme for the week is Psalm 23. These aren't coincidences. This isn't just happenstance. This is God revealing a message of importance to people. And it's whether or not we want to be obedient to following through and listening to this. Now, the speaking in tongues is a little different, right? There are a few people in our congregation with this gift as well. Oh, and by the way, there's other people with a gift of prophecy in our church as well, but I don't have their permission to speak on that, so you just have to be left guessing for who it is. All right, anyway. But for speaking in tongues, there are people in our congregation with the gift of tongues. Some people know exactly what it is, and for one person, they had absolutely no idea what this gift was. So sheepishly, while I was meeting with them in my office one day, they were saying, hey, you know, and they were explaining... You know, when I'm alone sometimes and I'm praying, all of a sudden these words just start coming out of my mouth, you know, and I don't, they're not making any sense. It's just kind of jabbering sometimes and babbling, and I don't, I don't know what that is. It's like they thought that I was thinking that they were crazy, or they thought that maybe they were crazy. So I said, well, have you ever heard of the gift of speaking in tongues? I said, no, what is that? And so I explained it to them. And they said, yeah, that sounds almost exactly what my experience has been. And they had not grown up in a church or a background to where they were taught about this particular gift. They didn't even know what it was, and they had it. And so once I explained what it was, I encouraged them to continue to seek um, God's direction in that, in that prayer uh, language that they were having with God in their quiet times. Now they're learning to lean more into that today and it is expanding their prayer life with God in their devotions. Now, speaking in tongues and prophecies and receiving maybe these gift of healings, that is not necessarily a normative experience for many Christians. I mean, we're not a Pentecostal or charismatic church here, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't still working in and through us in everyday action, that God has in store for us much more if we're willing just to press in and seek him through this. The same spirit that lives within us is also to help us to do the work here on earth, as we see in Acts 1.8. And then it's also the Holy Spirit that brings unity through one body, through one spirit as a church, not just locally, but globally as one church. Jesus demonstrates to his disciples the role of the Holy Spirit for the empowerment and the mission that he is setting them out for through the bringing about the kingdom of God. And hopefully you can go and look at all the scripture references 
You can write them down real quick because we're going to move on to another slide soon. <laughs> but he further demonstrates through the Acts of the Apostles in Acts chapter 8, verse 7, 16, verse 18, chapter 19, verse 12, the same commission that Jesus did to command his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations, he is also telling that this church now has that same call in their life to go and make disciples as well and to receive the Holy Spirit for empowerment. In his book, There Is More by Randy Clark, he says that sometimes this impartation or special gift that comes into a believer's life, it happens subsequent to their salvation, which means that after they are saved, this impartation sometimes takes place in their life and they receive this empowerment. But for some, they receive it at the time of salvation. And if anybody who's grown up in a Methodist church, you might have heard as the third means of grace, sanctification. Anybody remember that conversation in their catechism? There you go. So as the realization of God's empowerment happens in a person's life, there's a certain living into this that's needed. There's a realization that a believer must understand that the role of the Holy Spirit in their life is not just for um, the assurance of salvation, but it's also to be empowered, to be free, to set other people free because of the power of Christ working through us. And I tell people all the time, I can't do anything on my own. If I did anything right, it was because of God. If I messed up, that was totally me. But if we seek the Holy Spirit and we rely on him for purpose, direction, and power, I wonder how we encounter people in this world might begin to change a little bit. So perhaps this realization of the Holy Spirit and the power in, of him in our lives, it is further developed through our own prayer life. It's developed through devotions. It's developed through going to church. It's developed by being discipled. It's developed by being in a life group. It's developed by serving other people, being a part of prayer ministry. The more that we encounter God and we seek his direction and his guidance, the more that God is going to begin revealing to each and every one of us. And I think that this idea that we have, that we look at the New Testament and we say, wow, those are some pretty miraculous signs then, but we don't really see those things happening today. And I would say that from just the short stories that I've told you so far, that there is still more that's happening in this world. And we see that demonstrated through miracles. Even after the last couple of sermons that I've done, people have come after, come after the service and said, I've experienced miracles in my life, and they've shared those stories with me. God is still doing great and miraculous things in our world, but it's our job to help pay attention and to be obedient into this. And this is where I'm going off script now with my sermon, so Tyler, you might as well just shut off the slides now. Um, I'll share a story. Um, one of the, uh, the people that I met overseas, his name was Mark, and he was really helpful with me during this process. 
And I was saying, hey, you know, I really feel like I just need some spiritual healing. You know, we, I talked last week about the restoration of the soul and how Jesus is always wanting to get at the heart, the soul, to be able to bring reconciliation and healing to a person's life spiritually. And then the physical healing is secondary. So I was talking to him about some of the issues I was dealing with. And he said, hey, you know, uh, and I was willing to lay down my pride and, and, and admit some things. And he said, hey, you know, we're going to have a, a service of healing this Sunday. And I was like, hey, that sounds like exactly what I need right now. And so I was doing my uh, church service in the morning and then I did my evening service. And then their group had a, a service after mine for all their secret squirrel people. And for those of you who don't know who secret squirrel people are, those are like three-letter agencies and other people that you never know what they do um, because you don't have a high enough clearance. So anyway, they, uh, they were having their own service and they had their own chaplain. And after that, well, during the service, that chaplain was saying, hey, you know, my, my head's throbbing. You know, I can barely talk. I've just been feeling under the weather this whole day just feeling miserable, but you know, I'm gonna press through, we're gonna do the service after uh, of healing, because we know there's a lot of people that are hurting right now, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and so we wanna just call upon God to be involved in our lives. And so the second, the third, I guess, service started around eight o'clock at night, and uh, the, the chaplain, Nafi, she was, uh, she was preaching, she started off the welcoming and just said, you know, my head's hurting and I've got all these issues going on and I'm just there as a participant. Like, I'm not running the service, you know, it's just Jeremy up front dressed like this, like, hey, I want to encounter God today. And she's like, you know, and I've got this thing, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to have uh, Jeremy come up here. Uh, and Chaplain Bauer, and he's going to just pray for me right now. And I'm like in front of everybody, and I'm thinking, hey, I don't, I don't, what's going on here? I was like, I was just a participant. You're grabbing me from the front row. That's why we don't have anybody that sits in the front row up here. <laughs> and so I'm up front, and, and I realized that in my own prayer life, I had been very timid about praying for healing for people. Because I was saying to myself, well, you know, I don't want to boldly proclaim healing over a person because what if they're not healed? And, you know, I don't want to seem like a jerk, you know, like to, to say something and then it didn't happen. And I was feeling, you know, I'll just kind of tiptoe around and, well, God, if it's your will, you know, you can do this and, and all this stuff. But, you know, I, I was up there and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to boldly, I'm going to boldly ask for healing for this person. Like, I'm going to truly believe in this moment that God has the power to heal and to do it immediately. And so I went and I laid my hands on her and was praying for her boldly and claiming the victory that God had over sickness, disease, and death. And, you know, I was, I was finished and I went and sat back down. I didn't know if anything had happened, you know, and she still seemed a bit under the weather, you know, and I was like, great, you know, this is, this is not going to go well for me. Anyway, the service was great. There were some breakthroughs that happened in my life, but then after the service, she said, hey, Jeremy, come here, come here. She's like, did you notice anything, you know, after your prayer? And I was like, eh, no. I was like, sorry. <laughs> 
She said, no, listen, can you, you, can, you can tell by talking to me. She's like, everything is like gone, like everything is restored. You know, it happened during the service. And I want to let you know, thanks for being faithful and for doing that for me. And I was like, okay, well, look, I'm not claiming that I have the power of healing. But what I am telling you is that once we stop limiting ourselves or limiting God's power, and we really do believe that God can and will do way more than we can possibly experience, those breakthroughs happen at times. But am I willing to limit God or am I willing to move into the power that God has in my life as we boldly pray for people, as we boldly interact with people? And so the following Sunday, John, Pastor John is going to talk about some miracles next week, and then I'm going to kind of close everything out as we look at what it means to have an unclean spirit and also what it means to be able to discern spirits in our, in our world around us. So if you're interested, please stick around for those as well. Let's pray. God, again, you are great. You are the great healer. You are the great physician. We know that you have won the victory over sin and death. We do also know that our lives here on earth are limited and that the frailty that our bodies experience because of sin, original sin, that is because we live in a sinful world, that our bodies are sometimes consumed with issues and disease and things uh, that are debilitating. God, we know ultimately you desire restoration of the soul and reconciliation and freedom first, whereas healing is a secondary uh, action. So God, we want to continue to live into the boldness, God, that you have claimed the victory over sin and death. And because of that, you are still victorious today and that your power was not limited to just 2,000 years ago, but that you are still using us to bring about your kingdom here on earth. So help us to be empowered to live into your spirit, God, and experience you in a much deeper level of our lives. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.